Wellness. My name is Erica. And I'm Allie. And today we are here with the hosts of Ansel Doing It podcast, hosted by best friends Jackie Carabas and Angelica Becerra, who are two fearless and badass PhD <laughs> candidates living their most authentic lives. Covering topics like self-care, toxic relationships, gender identity, astrology, sexuality, academia, and much more, each episode they share what it's like to live in the borderlands as queer Latinxes, staying on top of their horoscopes and lives, all while avoiding their dissertations. <laughs> Welcome, you guys. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you guys for being here. That's our opening. We need to change that because we're no longer avoiding. Yeah, (laughs) we we can't afford to avoid the dissertation anymore. So you're you're actively in your dissertation process currently. We were we were driving over here and talking about our dissertation plan. Yeah, (laughs) I just came back from a week of like intensive workshops on dissertation writing, job market. So it's on it's on the water. What are your dissertations on? Oh, you go first, friend. Okay. Um. <laughs> Unless you really want me to go first. Yeah, go first. Okay. Um, so my dissertation is on the visual culture that comes out of social movements, really looking at the way in which artists change the way that we look at revolution. Um, I'm looking at Vietnam and the art that came out of that, but also just current digital uh, political posters. So my work is really about figuring out, okay, like how are the images coming out of social movements, changing our perceptions of gender, sexuality, everything under the, the rainbow, really. Um, so yeah, I interview artists, and as part of my dissertation, I'm also painting them and creating an exhibition out of it um, to really showcase that we need to support artists while they're still alive because we have a problem with like mm-hmm. supporting yeah. dead artists all the time. So <laughs> it's a problem because there's a, artists that are alive that need support, need support yeah. yeah. So yeah, the work is really... Um, opened me up to a whole new world of looking at my, and I'm also an artist, so mm. it's opened me up to just really understanding the work of other artists and, and considering it worthy of intellectual um, study. Mm. That's awesome. I'm an artist, so Yay. thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> yes. Not a visual artist, but performer, so thank you. No, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, and what's yours on? So my work is, uh, I look at the experiences of transgender Latinos, Latinxes, Latinas, and how they navigate family, spirituality, and employment. But more specifically, I'm looking at like how folks in my study, because um, I did, um, I've done interviews with mm-hmm. like 30 folks, around 30 folks in LA, who identify as trans and Latinx, and like looking at how they've experienced their own gender being like policed in mm-hmm. in growing up and like how they've been disciplined into their gender and how that disciplining continues on to even when they transition mm-hmm. because of how we live in a gender gender binary system right like where you can either only be male or female so mm-hmm. even looking at how folks once they do transition how these rules and regulations around gender are still imposed onto them and, like, what that means. Um, And one cool part about it is that um, one of my chapters is actually looking at how folks, even though a lot of folks experience, like, gender violence and discrimination, they still are very resilient. And I'm looking at, like, spirituality and how um, they create their own sense of spirituality um, mm-hmm. as a way to cope and really, mm-hmm. you know, really move forward yeah. um, mm-hmm. and and thrive. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Damn. That's amazing. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We're going to have a lot to talk about today. <laughs> um, okay. So, as two, two people in academia who've been kind of in the midst of your dissertations... <laughs> <laughs> how do you I know this is like a very open-ended question but how do you on a daily basis like how do you take care of yourself when you're in it when you're, mm. when you're what do you guys do <laughs> and I'm sure I'm sure too in this world where when you're really studying and interviewing and focusing mm. how do you not like take that energy how do you protect yourselves too from what yeah. is school and research and what is your mm. life as well yeah I mean that's such a wow such a big question because mm-hmm. because I think like well Angelica and I actually um we started our program together mm-hmm. so we're in the same program we're in the same year um, we're kind of at the same stage essentially mm-hmm. and we met the first day of orientation yeah and so we've been doing this for 
a total of six years going into our seventh year. And mm-hmm. it's like, so it's been a trajectory of like all of that. Like, mm-hmm. how do you sustain this? Right. Mm-hmm. And how do you sustain yourself through this when in like, at least for me in the first year, it was like, I completely lost myself. Mm-hmm. Right. So there, there's been so many changes and shifts. And I finally feel now that it's almost over that mm-hmm. I'm finally getting a grasp on like how to nourish how to nourish myself right like not just intellectually but like Mm -hmm. in all these other ways physically mentally emotionally like chapters in this this journey like i remember we've been through like serious relationships together we've seen people come and go break um, out of each other's lives and the only constant has been really each other and just like figuring this thing out yeah yeah totally so I don't know where we should begin, but (laughs) (laughs) I think, I mean, one reason we're here is because we've also have our own podcast, right? Yeah. And like, I think that came what, in our fifth, no, in our sixth, at the end of our fifth year. We're about to Um, be one year old. Actually, tomorrow's our one year. No, it's today or yesterday. Wait, Yeah, I think it was July 2nd. I don't know, obviously. (laughs) But, um, so I think that was one really Mm -hmm. big thing that was, created such a big shift, I think, for both of us in terms of, like, um, creating a space Mm -hmm. for ourselves where we could talk about the challenges. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think, yeah, the anxieties, the fears, and also Mm -hmm. as a platform to help other people out who are thinking about pursuing academia as a first generation Mm -hmm. person um like first gen um low income queer person whatever right Mm -hmm. like um we 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 can speak to that experience and i think that um was one of the things or has been one of the things that's been like such a great way i think to kind of process everything that we've been through because it's just so much like academia in general as a first generation either woman of color queer person of color is like a really toxic place to be you know in terms of like expectations in terms of like um what's expected of you in terms of like having an equal footing with Mm -hmm. other people who are have just a lot more resources resources um and training and so Mm -hmm. um we one of the things that we've experienced i could say consistently throughout and still do but at different levels one thing that's really plagued our trajectory has been this whole notion of imposter syndrome yeah Mm. so i don't know if you want (laughs) to feel like i this is more talking than i usually do i know i love it Um, (laughs) i'm heli i usually let i'm heli yeah you call me your social security blanket (laughs) so Please take over. Um, I'm a liberal rising, so I'm very open to, to socializing. Um, I think for me, you know, this question of self-care, like I said earlier, is really about the evolution that we've had as people. And we've been able to help each other out throughout the process. And we have a really supportive cohort uh, or just folks in our cohort that have made a small community where we share these anxieties and sometimes ease each other down from the cliff or figure out a plan to make it work. For me, like I also lost myself my first two years of the program I came into my program with a really serious relationship that you know somebody was also pursuing a PhD so I was dating another grad student and it just became really toxic that person struggled with alcoholism and um, just a lot of like gender issues that they I hope are working through Uh, I don't talk to them anymore (laughs) but send them light whenever I think of them Mm. Um, and I think it's for me important to say that like I didn't start out this way we started out actually at least for me I can speak for that experience I was not aware of like work-life balance I didn't (laughs) know what that was we were I remember our our only memories of the first year of our PhD are being at the library like pretty much almost 24 hours Mm. somebody brought a coffee machine in there that's how serious I got um so we had to write our finals and we were there for way too long we didn't rest we slept only to to be able to stay awake the next day we didn't sleep to rest you know so it was like very intense and that that is how uh academia kind of wears you out until until you burn out so Mm -hmm. a lot of people are okay with that in the sense that you know they think that's the only way to function in that space and so they're okay with it but for us, like we understood really quickly that wasn't going to work out for the long term and we didn't want to live our lives like that. So I stopped painting when I was mm. in 
grad school, I came in with this really thriving like art practice relationship to art. And then when I got to grad school, I was told it wasn't the focus, so I wasn't supposed to do it. And so I started to like slowly kind of distance myself from it until I wasn't painting any longer. And then I started painting, I think my fourth year, um, I don't remember anymore. After your breakup. After my big or breakup. Right before. Yeah. I broke up with the relationship I came into grad school with, which people warned me that you go in with somebody and you leave with someone else. Like that's <laughs> or just by yourself. Or just by yourself, yeah. <laughs> Something's going to survive and it's usually not the people. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I had this huge breakup that really opened me up to Buddhism. And mm. that's when, um, you know, Jack was chanting for a long time before I met them and um, even when we were friends, I would see them chant every morning or like I would hang out and I was never really curious until I started to really seek something that would give me some answers. Um, so when I started to chant and practice SGI Buddhism, uh, or Japanese Buddhism, it was really when I started to realize that I was sort of going back into myself. So I started to paint um, the painting was kind of, I call it my Adele moment where I just, <laughs> you know, and I've been very successful at transforming pain into beauty, which is, I think my life mission. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the time I was just really in pain and, um, I painted kind of the heartbreak and it really resonated with other people. So I'm glad mm. that happened. Um, so yeah, I mean, painting and just coming back into a space where I had to rebuild a lot of my self image, um, mm. I had been with somebody for so long and, and really identified with them that mm. I blended into them, you know, and I didn't know mm. who I was. Um, and so having friends like Jack really helped because friends are a mirror. Mm. So uh, we kind of both had big breakups in grad school that we got over and then realized, oh, yeah, like we are actually pretty cool with each other. Like we never really built this relationship when we were we were sort of acquaintances before, too. Mm-hmm. And then just like got really close over time. So my self-care is the people around me and my painting and um, just staying focused on something other than academia, which is kind of a bad answer if like professors heard it. But um, everyone has <laughs> to have something that doesn't is not high stakes like this. Mm. You know, like the one high stakes thing we have is this dissertation and our career that's already a lot of pressure so we need to be able to let off some steam somewhere else because Mm. not every part of our lives can't be this high pressure right Mm -hmm. it's interesting that you guys bring this up this morning i was listening to um a podcast (laughs) as you do when you do yeah i listen to them too and um (laughs) with uh, there's this great functional medicine doctor that I love. His name is Mark Hyman. He's an MD, and he's really transformed his own like belief about medicine. Um, he was a cardiologist, and now he practices functional medicine and really um, integrative nutrition and things like that. But he was interviewing a guy who studies the blue zones. Do you guys know what the blue zones are? Do you yeah, know the parts are? of the world where people live, live the longest. Right. And there's maybe seven of them. Asia and Mediterranean. Yeah, there's one in Japan. There's Okinawa. There's two in the Mediterranean. There's um, Sardinia, Italy. There's mm-hmm. a place in Greece. There's actually one in California. It's Loma Linda. And it's a seventh day. Fuck. Yeah, I know. Right? <laughs> it's a seventh day. There's one in Costa Rica, too, I think. Oh. Um, some in La- There's maybe like two in Latin America. But... It's a Seventh-day Adventist community in this little pocket of Loma Linda, California. It's the only one in the U.S. But he said he was talking about all the just kind of general common themes that these places Mm -hmm. have. Because they all have like slightly varying diets. They all live near the water, but not on the water. They live on a hill, something with elevation. So So there's movement. (laughs) Yeah. And it's not, he's like, people don't do this with the intention for a long life. It happens because, right, it's like a result of Mm. living in these places and their environments. But something that they all have in common is community, Mm. really strong community and really strong faith. All different faiths, Mm -hmm. but some sort of spiritual practice, Mm -hmm. community movement, natural movement Mm -hmm. of their physical bodies, not just like going to the gym and exercising, but natural movement. And so, you know, and the the list sort of goes on that Mm -hmm. with certain similarities throughout these communities in the world, but it turns out they have the longest life expectancy rate at, at the healthiest place. So when people do die, it's like, a fast and not suffering mm, death. Right, right. It's sort of like, oh. you know, it's like you live a healthy life and then you fall off the cliff. Mm. And <laughs> that's sort of, the, that's what they were like, using that example. That's I didn't come up with that. to the ocean. <laughs> yeah, right. not literally, but um, we don't recommend that. <laughs> but, 
So, but that's sort of what goes to a couple of things that you guys are talking about, which is community as a part of self care and and some sort of faith and spiritual practice as a part of self care. Yeah, totally. And so you're making your that. own mini blue zone. Aww. Yeah, yeah, that's great. I don't want to live away from water. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're gonna be moving uh, across from a lake. Yeah, that was my only condition for moving to Oakland body with my water. partner. A body of water, being close yeah. to the lake. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, totally. That's so cool. Yeah, that's interesting. So that just made me think. I'm glad I listened to that this morning. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I think I listened to a TikTok that was about blue zones. Really? That's why I yeah. Mean, yeah. 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 I've never heard of that. That's so it's fascinating. It's really fascinating. Um, they also mostly have plant-based diets, yeah. but they're all slightly different, and they do eat meat, but like rarely. Rarely, mm-hmm. and you know they eat fish, but a little bit more frequently than meat. But it's also there's just so many like just real food mm-hmm. is a part of. The, um, yeah, their lifestyle and moving soon. Let's move there. Are <laughs> <laughs> you gonna become a seventh day Adventist? No, I'm gonna go to Okinawa. Uh, <laughs> I was like, I don't want to go to Loma, Loma Linda. Linda. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather go to Okinawa, <laughs> Costa Rica. <laughs> yeah, Let's go to yeah. Uh, a little bit more, a little bit more like <laughs> exotic and beautiful than right. than our Southern California friends. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's interesting. Well, that's, that's awesome. yeah, I mean, we, that's sort of been a theme that we're seeing in this podcast is people, mm-hmm. you know, everything is slightly different. It's different for each individual, but sort of like number one thing, even Erica's experience mm-hmm. with like your weight loss that you talk about, the number mm-hmm. one thing is your self, self love and really just, um, honoring, you know, mm-hmm. our body instead of, it, it really did shift for me when I stopped punishing Yes. myself and just loved myself mm-hmm. I really feel like the weight just fell off and mm-hmm. it's interesting though now at this season of my life where I'm at because I'm really at this place of trusting my intuition and trusting mm-hmm. my gut um, because I have been um, what has really worked for me in these last like four or five years was like a lot of like high intensity cardio whatever mm-hmm. like I didn't really focus on my diet And now I'm at this place of continuing in this journey of honoring my body and Mm -hmm. caring for myself where my body is actually craving things like yoga or Mm -hmm. strength or things that make me feel strong and powerful. Mm -hmm. And I actually want to, I'm such an emotional eater, which I've talked (laughs) to Jackie a lot about, but, um, I'm such an emotional eater, but now my relationship with food is really changing as mm. I've been fueling myself with foods that actually make me feel really good and thinking, mm. how is this going to make me feel before I put it in my mouth and right. swallow it? And of course, it's not perfect. It's a journey. But um, slowing down to give myself enough time to listen to that mm. intuitive voice has been mm. a really powerful shift just in the last month or so. Mm. But it's made me feel really good and strong mm-hmm. and it's definitely something I'm putting learning how to listen more to my intuition is something I'm putting in my toolkit which I know you guys <laughs> I really I oh, stole yeah. that word I think when I met you for the first time and Helica I remember mm-hmm. you talking to me about your toolkit oh yeah yeah, yeah. so it was so funny when <laughs> I listened to your podcast and you guys were talking about your self-care toolkits oh, and yeah. I just thought that was we such an mm-hmm. yeah I thought that's such a beautiful way to put it it's this toolkit that you mm-hmm. have to really honor and care for your body and mind yeah, and depending and where you're at the tools will change but the toolkit mm-hmm. remains the same you know yeah. it's like a vessel for the things you use absolutely mm-hmm. yeah and then Helica how is astrology a part of your toolkit because you mentioned just like a moment ago you're like I'm a Libra rising yes. so yeah. so um and that's definitely I think a theme throughout your whole podcast I hear it it's yeah, it's one of the a segments. Lot. <laughs> yeah. Well in uh, our was it our first episode second episode mm-hmm. we talked about second, yeah. Uh, the inspiration behind a lot of Latinx people and maybe our introduction to astrology was this astrologer named um Walter Mercado. Walter Mercado. And he's like a Cuban American astrologer that would come out in Telemundo every day through our TVs and I don't know their gender pronouns, I'm pretty sure they're gender queer. <laughs> um, I know they're they're queer, right? They have like a partner. I mean, 
it's like a donut. It's like the Siegfried and Roy of astrology. <laughs> like he would wear, or they would wear capes, lots of glitter, lots of beautiful lots jewels, of, yeah, rings, rings and, and there was like a green screen behind them with like the cosmos. Oh, it was just amazing! Like, <laughs> the entire image is you have to Google it. Um, but I remember, you know, just like our grandmothers really trusting, mm-hmm. trusting their words, and mm-hmm. whenever what that came on the TV, we all had to shut up, you know, as children. <laughs> Yeah, and I have a tia who, or an aunt who would always, like, keep up. She's a Taurus, and she's very <laughs> into her horoscope. And so I grew up with astrology that way. Like, I was exposed to Walter, but I think I got into it just because I, in college, I, I'm a language kind of person, so, like, I, I know about five of them, and I was, like, really interested in Latin because my school offered it in college. And I wanted to be, so nobody really knows this. I don't even think you know this, but I was a classics major for the Mm. first year of my Mm. undergrad. Did I tell you this already? No, probably not. I was obsessed with Greek mythology, classics, and I took Latin for a year. I was the only girl in a class of like 13 white men uh, and the white man who taught us Latin. Um, So I just wanted to learn more about that. And through the archetypes of Greek mythology, which are assigned to astrology, I learned about astrology because mm-hmm. it was kind of like a gateway drug. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then I started reading and I honestly really identified with my sign, which is cancer. Uh, and, you know, like the mother, the moon, the nurturing kind yeah. of... Uh, I was never really a nurturing person, which is funny. But I really related to the creativity angle of it yeah. and us being sensitive because I have, I'm, I have a lot of feelings. Um, I think a lot of cancers too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's the point. Yeah. We have them, whether we show them to okay, people, that's not. a whole other thing. But we definitely have them in in, in mentality. I started to devour books on the subject. I was really into Sylvia Brown, the psychic who would go on Montel a lot. Um, and my mom would take me to the Goodwill to buy books because they were fifty cents because mm. we were poor. And I would just buy all of her books, you know, find any astrology or Greek mythology books. And so what I love is that astrology has been has become a way for me to care about myself, sure. But it's also a way that I connect with people that I've never met before. Mm-hmm. Um, I have or a way to report. judge people. Well, it depends who, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, like, people are so... Um, hungry for a way to understand themselves Mm -hmm. and um i feel like astrology started out as a hobby something i really liked academically and i was interested in and now it's just become a way that like i get closer to people Mm -hmm. um i was always really introverted and really quiet as a child i love to draw and be on my own i hated people and now i'm sort of an extrovert that likes to be alone sometimes and so it's astrology has become a way for me to like get myself out of my shell that I do have um and just a way for the podcast to connect with more people too so Mm -hmm. uh, we talk a lot about our dynamic right Virgo Virgo cancer which is like a very solid almost like it's a best friends match for sure Mm -hmm. um so yeah astrology has become really great in my life and and I love it so much so that we've had people request Angelica to have her own (laughs) spin-off oh my god oh have your podcast (laughs) yeah where she only does (laughs) astrology listen we've gotten these in direct messages and I just choose to ignore them (laughs) (laughs) you're such a Virgo yeah yeah Yeah, yeah. I mean I'm into astrology too but it's yeah I get yeah over I think it after you, a while. yeah I think after five minutes you're like okay I'm done yeah I'm unless it's about Virgos then you're like right otherwise you know, I don't yeah. care about other people <laughs> is that a Virgo sign is that a part of being no we're actually like service oriented mm-hmm. and like people pleasers mm-hmm. <laughs> you are yeah so. but you're also very direct and very they're truth tellers yeah. For sure. Yeah. 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 Along mm-hmm. with with my Sagittarius rising. Oh yeah. Yeah. But I mean similar I mean I think even though I'm not the person who leads like the Walter Mercado Corner <laughs> you on our, our section, like I mean similarly, yeah. right? Like I also grew up in a household where mm-hmm. you know, in my grandma's house, we would also watch the same person, Walter Mercado, share horoscopes and it was the mm-hmm. same thing. My mom also think she's Walter Mercado too <laughs> so it's like I went from my mom always like reading people based on their sign to then having a best friend <laughs> who also does that wow. um so definitely a karmic connection there yeah, for me yeah. um 
And even in college, like, it was something that was, um, I think it's very much, and I think Chani talks about this too, right? Like, mm-hmm. we, we mentioned to y'all, mm-hmm. uh, we follow Chani Nicol- Nicholas on, um, on Instagram, and she's an astrologer. Mm-hmm. Um, she has her own website, and it's, like, awesome. But she talks about, like, I think for queer people, right, yes. um, it's something that, um we always look to in a sense or we've always been inclined mm-hmm. to look to something of of how to how to make sense of ourselves of how to find other like mm-hmm. solutions or finding this mm-hmm. not alternate reality but like looking at, at, at what we can make into existence um based on our mm-hmm. connection larger connection right and so mm-hmm. i think um it's something that's always been around me also like yeah. um even though i haven't been like you know, as involved or engaged as Angelica, it's something that's always been around me and part of my life. And, like, mm-hmm. I've always had people like Angelica in my life. Like, my mm-hmm. best friend from college now has, like, a YouTube series where she does, like, what Angelica does on our podcast. So mm-hmm. it's, like, um, it's really interesting in that way. And, like, yeah, people, I think, in general, whether you're queer or not or whatever, like can really find meaning in it right yeah, like yeah. to to like you were saying right like mm-hmm. how do i think a lot of us are struggling to like figure out mm-hmm. ourselves or finding trying to find ways to understand ourselves understand the ways in which we navigate mm-hmm. life and like how we can better navigate life and like yeah. engage with other people mm-hmm. which is why i think a lot i mean us four at this table too also like we practice buddhism right yeah. because mm-hmm. it also gives us that same kind of like exactly. um understanding for our life mm-hmm. and like how to navigate um in a way that is true to ourselves and who we are right regardless sorry i was gonna sneak something <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry oh damn i hate it when that happens go ahead <laughs> that's all <laughs> are you done i'm done i'm done it's just like when you want to sneeze so bad yeah. and it never happens. And, and, and then I took it away. No, no, you're fine. You're fine. I was trying not to make noise. <laughs> but. <laughs> um, yeah. My mom growing up was really interested in astrology. Mm. It was all, Another one. Yeah. yeah. It was so. Um, it's so funny. But only with sun signs. So I really only yeah, grew up most understanding yeah, same. the sun yeah. sign. And. Um, and that's when, what you read about in like mm, the magazines or the mm-hmm. horoscopes. And yeah. when I left for college, she gave me the big book of birthdays, and she's mm, like, I "Read this book. about everyone you meet." <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, mom. That's that was me my, as a mom. That was my party <laughs> gift. Um, as I left for college, it was so cute, and I did. And I really, I really enjoy it. But I found. Um, my interest in astrology has gotten so much deeper yeah. when I've learned about moon signs and There's, rising that's signs. That's what I always tell people, yeah. Because... It makes such a difference and to so, know that. And so your sun is your, like, comfort zone. Your sun is, yeah, it's it's almost like your outer face to the world. It's your public-facing part of yourself. It's your go-to. Your moon sign is your private self, who you are when you trust somebody, let them in. Um, so you may be a Libra when you meet people out and about but when you are at home with your partner mm. you are that moon sign Aquarius. and that's your go-to Aquarius. that makes a lot of sense then because it's very air you said you're very airy yeah she just jackie just made a face at me when it's I said it's okay Aquarius. we judge signs on our podcast all the time yeah. I'm sorry. it's not personal i detach no. as an aquarius a lot um, yeah well aquarius and your i mean your moon is like your most emotional part like mm. you know the moon rules cancer so it's how you process emotion and hurt and if you process it as an Aquarius, you don't process it. You know, you just like... Oh my gosh, Erica, that's what you always say about yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You intellectualize, wow. right? So instead of feeling the emotion and letting it go through you, you think about it, you verbalize it, you write about it, you basically like make a dissertation about it, and then you forget <laughs> to go through the thing that you're going through, right? Um, whereas Cancer Moon's over here, they just cry. Mm. you know they know that they're sad so they cry it out and then once it's over we're good you <laughs> Ex- know except if you're on antidepressants well, yeah, that's a whole <laughs> you just can't cry anymore <laughs> but that's about my current yeah. struggle <laughs> jack Anyhow, is a cancer moon virgo sun who cries yeah. at any moment except mm. since too. i started taking ssris mm-hmm, or antidepressants mm-hmm. so. now we have to like listen to our gut more mm. <laughs> to see if we're sad <laughs> 
that yeah. intuitive because the, the brain is is not telling you if you're sad. You yeah, it kind of like lost yeah. the receptors, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's like. Yeah. I have it's more of like this intellectualizing my feelings or kind of like like oh, me I'm sad whereas like prior I've been taking medication for the last what like four months mm-hmm. and my life before these last four months is just like I feel something and I cry about it I'm in my feelings yes. yeah. and like it's like a real process whereas now yeah very much a roller coaster mm-hmm. right like mm-hmm. up and down and just like I'm because I'm a cancer moon I'm so consumed by the feelings mm-hmm. like I'm such an emotional person like and I'm so consumed by it like even with my partner right like she like we'll get into an argument or whatever and she'll realize what she did and apologize and like really be apologetic and and really mean the apology but I'm just like just because you fucking apologize does not mean anything like I'm still having feelings like you know like I still need time and cancer lesson number 756 just wait it out yeah (laughs) just wait it out yeah. So so now it's a little like re-understanding or relearning how to process my feelings because it's more like, oh, I think I'm sad. <laughs> like, I don't feel it. It doesn't like consume me like mm-hmm. it used to. Mm-hmm. So do you feel like good. that's a positive shift? The lack of con- like consuming feelings? It is and it isn't. Um, I think it is in the ways that like I'm able to like live like it's not debilitating (laughs) like it's not debilitating because I think for me I would get so debilitated by my emotions and especially when I was I was in such a deep depression most Mm -hmm. of last year that like it felt so difficult to do anything Mm -hmm. right because I was so consumed by it whereas now I feel like I can just even though I've always been very high functioning right but Mm -hmm. like I think now like it's I can just keep moving, you know, it's, 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 mm-hmm. it's great. But in another sense, like, you know, as y'all mentioned, like I'm, I'm getting ready to move to Oakland at the end of the month. And like, I'm from LA. I have been back in LA the last seven years. And like, this is, this is really home in such a deeper way than, than just growing up here. Right. Mm-hmm. Like my community is here. Mm-hmm. My family is here. My my academic community is here, my Buddhist community, like all the different communities I have are here. And like, I haven't really processed what that means to like have to go somewhere as happy as I feel about it mm-hmm. to, to make this move to be with my partner. But like this weekend when I was up there moving some things, um, getting the move started, I got really like, I've been feeling more nostalgic mm-hmm. and like, I want to cry. Cause that's how I know my body knows how to release and process Mm -hmm. but like I physically can't get tears to come out Mm -hmm. and it's such an odd odd thing right Mm because usually I don't have an issue about that (laughs) I don't judge my feelings I don't judge my tears especially but it's been such a hard thing to kind of like okay how can I process this Mm -hmm. if crying maybe isn't an option Mm -hmm. but like processing it in a healthier way maybe you know my therapist really told me that like um I was explaining this shift to her right um with the with the medication and she shared with me that like the how I used to process my feelings and really being consumed by it isn't really a healthy way Mm -hmm. to process those things right Mm because usually we're reacting be from mm-hmm. that emotional place mm-hmm. as opposed to now I'm able to be like like articulate my feelings right. like and really uh, I'm more thoughtful about them so I don't know if that makes any sense no, but no, it makes a lot of sense yeah. yeah so it's it's interesting in mm-hmm. terms of like navigating this new terrain with being like a more stabilized mm-hmm. emotional person absolutely mm-hmm. and I think that's so damn courageous because it's so easy to justify staying or not moving as, well, I'm prioritizing my wellness. This is where my base is. This is where my life is. But actually, what's the scariest thing that could happen is if you don't like it, you guys can like make a plan to move right. back down here, but you'll never know if you don't take that courageous step. Right. And yeah. I think so many people, myself included, have lived life mm. safely and oh, then yeah. made excuses yeah, for it. Yeah. And I've just been done with that. I'm yeah. like, I'm moving forward no matter how scary it is. 
so to hear mm-hmm. your, you know, journey and experience and being like, I'm going to go, you know, for yeah. love and move. <laughs> that's, exactly. that's the Libra in me. Yeah. The Libra in me Aww. is the cheerleader for love. So yeah. anyway, back Same. to what the I was saying. The Virgo in me is like, please <laughs> keep everything the way that it is. But I think it is. Like, Where is everything going under my feet? <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah. it's so beautiful to take that leap, you know, for yeah. your love, for your family, for your partnership yeah. and trust your intuition, your gut, that this is what's right for you in the season of your and life. And it, it mm-hmm. wasn't easy. You know, I think part of going back to a little bit about my own like journey to what like in terms of like self-love and wellness Mm -hmm. and understanding what that means for me I think you know I I mentioned it on the one of the last episodes um that I think you listened to where I I you know being in academia we're really ingrained with this notion that you should be working at every moment of your life and really I think that's the society we live in Mm -hmm. regardless right capitalism I mean if you're (laughs) It doesn't matter if you're in academia. If you're not a productive member of society, then what are you? Right. And, and like, productivity is, is measured by money, right? Right. Right. Yeah. And exactly. and our worth is yeah. measured by productivity, yeah. right? right? And so, like, it's so easy to get trapped in that. And so uh, when I was talking earlier, you know, for me, mm. it's been so hard to, with the, you know, struggling with this imposter syndrome and, like, for me, what how that's manifested is like I've always struggled with believing that I even belonged mm-hmm. in academia mm-hmm. or like I mean anywhere really, but but there specifically, and I think that's what was terrifying in that first year where I just like I the only thing that I would do is work, mm-hmm. like that's all I would do. Like I would mm-hmm. I I lost the sense of knowing how to enjoy life in mm-hmm. grad school yeah. because. I it was like this this deep sense of believing that I didn't belong there so it was like this overcompensation constantly of like every moment that I had had to be doing something for school whether it was just agonizing over it (laughs) worrying about it or actually being productive right but it was 24 7 was that even that toxic relationship that I was in was another grad student and we were in the same boat right Mm -hmm. like both had these insecurities and these overcompensating like um habits that we Mm -hmm. that we did so for my first two to three years of grad school like even though I was in LA and LA is home and my family is here and all those things and my friends from high school like I had no sense of community Mm -hmm. I had no friends like I had friends but I never engaged them I didn't like I would never go see my mom even though I live like a mile from her because because it would get in the way of yeah. work. Mm-hmm. And so I think my journey has really been, and it's something that I'm really understanding now because even making this decision to move, I've now been in a really healthy relationship for the last two and a half years. And the decision to move was really listening to my gut and listening to my intuition and listening to like my heart really because my mind was like no you need to stay here and just finish like if you're at UCLA like you need to be around UCLA even though I don't really but uh, because I don't have to work this last year because we both got were really nice that we got funding and fellowships Mm -hmm. and not have to work this year and can just focus on our dissertations but like one big realization I had is that for me my life has always for the past 29 years been like my happiness is um is placed on like the work that I do Mm -hmm. or like on my success at work Mm -hmm. and so I really had to break with that in these last few months and be like like UCLA nor this PhD is going to make me happy Mm -hmm. like it's not I already know the last six years, like I've learned to navigate it and I've learned to create a life where I can enjoy myself. But like, why am I limiting my life just to like this academic success, whereas life is not just about work, Mm -hmm. right? And that's been really difficult for me as a Virgo, as a workaholic, as someone who would rather work and keep busy than like really feel Mm -hmm. the strong, strong feelings that I need to feel so I think making that decision has been like and every time you say it right like I'm moving for love it's like it still feels like (laughs) weird 
but it's it's not just moving for love it's moving for my happiness yeah, right yeah. which is in this moment is with this person that's in Oakland um with my partner and like but it's it's this larger thing of like I I think I'm at a place in my life where I'm like I want to be a full person mm-hmm. I don't I'm not just an academic right. and I don't think I've understood that until mm-hmm. now right like wow, I'm yeah. not just an academic yeah. I'm not just a daughter I'm not just a sister these are the only things I've been limited to being like I can actually also be a partner and whatever else comes Mm -hmm, with mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. with that but it's 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 really allowing myself to live because I can um I can and I think a lot of us can live in you know in this capitalist society be really rigid with ourselves Mm -hmm. in terms of like how we allow ourselves to live or what is what is valid, mm-hmm. right? So it's kind of like I'm learning how to be, how to live a fuller life. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I don't think I've allowed myself to do that before. That's mm-hmm. so incredible. Yeah. 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 I feel like I'm really happy to hear you talk about that because in a different mm-hmm. way, I've sort of gone through a similar thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you feel this way as an mm-hmm. artist sometimes that you talk about imposter syndrome and it can be mm-hmm. in any mm-hmm. arena, mm-hmm. but I often Anywhere. feel like <laughs> artists, I had um, this boss that I loved years ago and she would always say, you know, all of us artists, we have this fear that the fraud police is going to come mm-hmm. at any minute and be like, come into whatever you're in a rehearsal a space. Mm-hmm. Be like, you, you're not the real deal. Like Get out of here. Meanwhile, yeah. we all worked our butts off. We all got either cast or we all got, you know, we've been hired for a reason and, or we're creating for a reason or whatever. We have something to do. Right. We're meant to be here, mm-hmm. but there's that voice inside of you that says, yeah. like, I mean, I've heard Meryl Streep be interviewed about this, and she goes, every time she starts a new film, she looks at the script, and she's like, I have no idea what I'm doing, and she's yeah. like the greatest actor ever mm-hmm. time. Girl's scared, and we're all scared. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's like, when you hear that, it's like, oh, wait, does everybody has that voice? Mm-hmm. It's just how much, you, how much power you give to it. Yeah. And I think, like, even just articulating that that's something that's not real mm-hmm. is a mm-hmm. huge thing mm-hmm. and that it's a common experience yeah and that the fraud police don't exist <laughs> no one's coming <laughs> after you the fraud police like live in your brain and it is mm-hmm. that's a great way to put it yeah. yeah so interesting because it is the more i explore myself and the more I've, it, it's everything is just a construction we create mm-hmm. like yeah. it doesn't everything just comes from inside of ourselves yeah. Yeah. no one it, it's it's just all internal and I think that's the real battle and I think that's why self-care in any capacity being it a walk or mm-hmm. an art or reading the big book of birthdays or whatever right. it is it, it's yes. about finding something that allows you to feel more in touch with your truth because that's mm-hmm. all that really matters mm-hmm. um, a friend of mine gave me this tool because I would always go to the worst case scenario. Like, mm. always. My mind would always go to, like, the worst case scenario. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> I was actually told once, well, what if your mind went to the, like, that's the, the other scenario? Like, there's 80 million other things that could go. So now every time I go to the worst case scenario, mm. I go to, well, what are the 80 other things that could happen? <laughs> Not just this one oh, bad wow. thing. Mm-hmm. And it has helped me so unbelievably much. But oh. this other tool my friend gave me was, and then what? So your mind goes to, well, I'm going to move, and, and, and then what? Well, what if it doesn't work out? Well, and then what? And you keep going you for that. until, oh, no, it's like, it's an exercise, and you keep going until there's nothing left, oh, and then you find out the root of what you're actually afraid of. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, because at the end of all of that, and then what? Like yeah. you open you're doors open to the doors. Out. Well, then I'm alone. Well, then mm. I failed. And you're like, oh, that's, that's what I'm actually afraid of. Let's put it in our toolkit. Yeah, so when I'm going to do it. So when I'm not being my Aquarius moon and not totally detached from how, when I allow, I, and that's what I've been trying to do, surrounding myself with such positive humans, but oh. it has been, um, incredible to just journaling has really helped me in my toolkit and That's I journal awesome. that um and then what and then mm. what and then, and then what you just keep going. and you find out what mm. is the root of the fear because I sometimes have trouble being self-aware of that <laughs> I, I, when you're in yeah. that well everything's gonna crash and burn mm. anxiety right 
then you're just like living in the. Anxiety. But it helps a lot. It's mm. a great. It's a great tool. Mm. That's so interesting. My art has always been sort of a future predicting mechanism, mm. where like oh, whatever yeah. I'm working on speaks to me months later. Mm. So that I was wow. <laughs> all the pieces I've made, like they don't apply to me at the moment I make them. And it's funny that I say that because like I make very empowering, very beautiful pieces that speak to a lot of women. But I think for me, the person that made it. Like, it never really speak to me until, like, two months after where I'm like, mm. oh, I had to go through that to see this in a different light. Like, for example, mm. there's this one painting that, um, it's my Sandra Cisneros piece, and it, it talks about, it has a quote attached to it, and it talks about, like, now I know better, I deserve better, you know, I've become this woman who understands that she deserves better in every way. And I was painting that when I was in a really bad relationship. I don't even know if I could call it that. It was, we never defined it, and that was the problem. Mm. Um, mm. But I remember thinking, you know, I'm with this person that I really like, and this isn't what's better for me, but I'm painting this image, and I felt like a fraud, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you're making art that's empowering people to do what you're not brave enough to do yourself. Mm. Um, and so I felt really bad about it, and I painted it, and I remember thinking well, I'm just going to make it and, like, move on, you know, because sometimes as an artist, you're just like, whatever, I'm just going to let this out of my system and go on to the next one. And months later, you know, um, that's the piece that kind of broke out and really got my art to the next level. And when I was interviewing all these outlets that wanted to know about the series, I was like, actually, like, I'm not the model for, like, I think that people, when they (laughs) see somebody's art like that, you know, art that's empowering, that's positive, that's amazing, Mm. they expect somebody who has their shit together behind it. (laughs) Mm. Um, And so for me, I remember telling this woman from Vice, I was like, I actually don't have my shit together. (laughs) Um, You know, most of my pieces are trying to talk to me. Mm. about what I need to know (laughs) so Mm. that's what I'm channeling right because artists channel so I channel what I need to hear and then I make it and I put it out there and then when other people hear it that's great but like as long as I come back to that and I hear it for myself when I'm ready to hear it that's what matters so my pieces are usually not even about what I'm going through at the time um, they they usually talk to me after and are like, look here, bitch, this is what you <laughs> So like, you know, um, that's what I mean with the Adele heartbreak. Yeah, stuff, yes. know, um, And even the more positive things that are not about heartbreak, um, they never really apply to me in the moment. They apply to me way later. So that's that's kind of how I see it, right? Like yeah. if I'm feeling an like imposter, well, you know, I'll just make it and then it'll reaffirm me later. But, um, yeah, I think art can also be a, a, a self-care strategy that really allows you to just get something out of your system. Mm-hmm. And then when, you know, when you're not ready to hear something, it doesn't matter who is trying to tell you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. You're not open. <laughs> yeah. We've all been there. Yeah. So, like, when you said, you know, like, you didn't want to tell yourself you're moving for love because that's scary, right? Yeah. So, like, now maybe you'll be at a place where you can really tell yourself, hey, like, this is okay. Like we're doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. And we're never going to hear that. Like in the moment we need to hear it, we're going right. to hear it way later when we're like six months in, you have your cats and you're just sitting with your coffee, <laughs> looking at the lake and you're thinking, I did the right thing, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, but it won't be in the moment. So I'm okay with the pro like trust the process. Trusting the process. Yeah. A lot of artists will say this, like trust yeah. the process. Don't think you're not supposed to think you're supposed to just do it. And being a person of action as an artist has really helped me get rid of all that like anxiety about am I good enough are they gonna like my art you know yeah um and yeah I mean I just I exhibit very often and I don't really care what people react to I just I put it up there and whoever takes it home with them and feels that way great but who doesn't I don't care I think that's the difference between people like this is something we've been talking about and dealing with for ourselves and human in this Mm -hmm. podcast the difference between Anything ever getting done and nothing getting done no. is just doing it. <laughs> yeah. There's yep. like, because you can, yeah. you can actually Annie, one of the other women we've mm-hmm. interviewed, um, this stuck with me when she said that she's like, if you wait till something is 100% perfect before mm-hmm. putting it out there, you're never going to do it. Right. And that's totally. like, a, that's the struggle is real for a lot of artists, mm-hmm. myself oh, yeah. included, because you just, it's such a vulnerable thing yep. to put something out there at all, whether yeah. it's good or bad. Right. And, but like nothing ever really gets good and is shared unless you just share it when it's not, mm-hmm. maybe you're not ready to share it but just taking the courage to yeah. put something out there mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and that's what we did with this we're like wow we love talking about this stuff and it's taken such an interesting turn and listening to people's journeys and our own journeys um 
let's just record it. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden it was like, oh, yeah. we have a podcast. We're doing oh, this We're now. doing this. <laughs> and, but that's how things happen. Like, yeah. that's been a huge lesson, you know, yeah. and, and doing that over and over is how you do stuff in your life. It's mm-hmm. how you finish your dissertation. Do the damn dissertation. thing. Do the, do damn, the thing. damn thing, man. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. It's so courageous. Just do it's it. so, mm-hmm. man. This is a good courageous wellness episode. <laughs> it's all about courage, man. Oh, I didn't know it was gonna be about that. <laughs> <laughs> that's how that's how we roll. That's how it rolls when you have all four elements in a room: yeah. earth, air, fire, and water. Yeah, it becomes yeah. a courageous episode. Mm-hmm. That's right. So, man, we're really thankful for you, both of you joining us. Thank yeah, you. thank you guys. Yeah, and good luck with the dissertations. Yeah, and congratulations you. on the grants and fellowships. Yeah. Yes. Your move and your move. Yes. And yes. listen, can we let? Can you where, tell where people can um, find you and hear you? And, um, yeah. Where can everyone where, find you on the internet? Well, the podcast <laughs> is at, at Ansel Doing It. That's A N C A L D U I N G I T. Yeah. Yes. Um, oh my god. <laughs> I feel like the spelling bee movie. Um, and then also, you can find me. My I'm not creative when it comes to my handles. Uh, the other parts I am. So it's my just my name, Angelica Becerra, at Angelica Becerra on Instagram. And if you Google me, I'm sure stuff will come up um, and we can talk about it. But, you know, happy to happy to put my art out there. And that's usually what I do in the Internet. Great. Mm. Thank you. Yeah. Jackie, where can everyone find you? I love your handle. Please say it. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> well, you can listen to us. I don't know if you said this, but you can oh, listen to yeah. us on SoundCloud, iTunes, iTunes and Stitcher. All using that same handle at mm-hmm. until doing it, um, and then me, my personal Instagram. If you want to follow, is it's public as of now, but <laughs> might be private with the job market. But it's it's at get a girl. Um, <laughs> How many R's? One I, two R's. <laughs> at get a girl. <laughs> if you like cats, it's mostly about my cats and how they terrorize me all day long. But um, or love you or love me, whatever. <laughs> yeah. So you can follow me there. Um, but we also post on our. We're we're mostly active on our until doing it Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can find us there, and yeah. we have an email. We do at until doing it podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great. Oh, yeah. Thank, thank you, you guys. So <laughs>